0: All right, so last couple weeks, we've been talking about opening the fridge, right? Been talking about getting a perspective of what all God has for us and how he wants us to live a full life, right? That he's given us everything we need right now to live a life that's full and complete in him. But we have to continually pursue that and continually, in essence, open the fridge, right? And so I feel like God's really been laying this on my heart to keep... I'm not going to keep talking about opening the fridge, but keep this idea of us learning everything that we have in him and, and starting to walk in it, right? Starting to walk in the fullness of Christ, that we're not just living just in this moment, that we're not just showing up every week, that we're not just doing the same things, but we actually live on purpose, right? We actually live a life that is full and complete in him. Amen? So this week... I'm going to read out of Genesis 15. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. In the Old Testament. The Old Testament is still good for today, even though it's old. Same with people. They're still good even when they're old. (laughs) Amen. All right. That's a good word. Word for me, I'm getting old. At least I feel old. Genesis 15, are you there? If you're not, get there. Genesis 15, one. Some time later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a, vision, in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good, Are all of your blessings, some attitude right there, or what good are all your blessings if I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all of my wealth, and I don't even like Eleazar. That's not in there. I made that up. (laughs) Read, insert here. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. I like that. It's like a little bit of attitude back. If you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Amen. Good word. Let's go. Psalm 147.4 says, He counts the stars, he being God, Jesus. God counts the stars and calls them all A name. No, calls them all by name. <laughs> Let's pray. Nobody got that. Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's alive and living and active in us. God, every time we read it and consume it, Lord, you speak your heart to us. And Father, we're thankful that you are alive and living in us. And God, that we have the freedom to live a life that is for you. God, we ask that you would change our mindset tonight. Lord, you would give us new perspective and a new heart that is open towards you. Father, we love you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's my beautiful little son making noise. He's awesome. If you haven't seen him yet, you can see him later. He's all wrapped in bumbled, bumbled, bundled, bubbled, bubble wrap with a bubble wrap around him and cute as can be. Say that because he's mine. All right, so the Lord comes to Abram in a vision. Comes to him in a vision, meaning he is seen by him, right? Some think it's like a dream. Some thinks he manifested himself in front of him. He reveals, in other words, he reveals himself to Abram. He shows himself to him and he starts to speak to him. Now, this is not the first time God has spoken to Abram. It's not the first time that God had had revealed himself and his promises to him. He'd already called Abram to leave everything he had and to start to follow him. And he'd start to say the blessings that he had for him. He he was telling him that he was going to make his descendants great and numerous, right? That he wouldn't be able to count all the descendants that are before him. So Abram's pretty excited about that, and he's following the Lord, and he's passionate about God, but this is like 10 years later Okay, from chapter 12 to chapter 15. I know it's only three chapters, but it's like 10 years 10 years has gone by and he still hasn't seen that promise come true All Right? god keeps reminding him and keeps telling him be faithful be faithful And i'm gonna make your descendants great And so he says this again to him. He reveals him. He wakes him up. Maybe he's a little bit tired and grumpy But he reveals himself to him again in this, in this vision and he says, don't be afraid for I'm with you and I want to bless you and reward you. And what does Abram say? What good are your blessings? That's pretty harsh when you're talking to God. I mean, he's like right there. (laughs) He's like, what good are all of these blessings? You promised me 10 years ago that I was going to see All these descendants behind me, and all these—I'd be the father of all of these people. Yet I have not born one son. My wife is barren. Her name is Sarah, but she's barren. How? Meaning, she can't produce children. If you didn't know that. Oh, it's revelation. I know. Right, And so he's wondering, how is this possible? How could you bless me when I haven't seen this come to pass? But God's been watching out with him and, and protecting him this whole time and covering over him and blessing him immensely, yet he's still not satisfied because he doesn't have his son yet. So he catches him inside of the tent, Alright, Inside of the place that he's sleeping, it's a tent. He comes into him, and he speaks this over him, and then Abram starts to argue, and he says, Eliezer is going to be the heir to all of my possessions. The servant in my house, I don't even have a son to give it all to, it's going to be my servant? That's what you're going to use? God says, no, I have a son for you, right? But he's still frustrated. He still hasn't seen it. It's been years, and he hasn't seen the fruit of it. So Abram's starting to get a little bit discouraged. Right? He's starting to lose faith, lose hope in this promise. All that Abram can see is the circumstances around him. So God tells Abram, he says, get up, get off your feet, walk outside of your tent. Get out of your get off your back, get on your feet, and get out of the tent. This tent represents man's limited perception. God's, or man's limited understanding. See, when we're inside the tent, you can only see so much, right? It's limited. So God says, get out. Get out of the tent. And the next thing he says is look up. Get out of the tent and look up. See, I think this applies to all of us in our circumstances, and our situations, that it's really easy to just look at what's around us, right? To look at just what's going on in front of us. Our vision does not go beyond that. What we understand and what we perceive to be possible is what's possible, right? And so we have this limited perception and this limited understanding of God and what he can do and what he can do through us. How many of you have ever had a dream or a vision or somebody prophesy over you or some kind of calling that you have felt over your life from the Lord? Anybody? See, I believe God is always speaking to us in some way. He's revealing bits and pieces of himself to us, right? And we're just getting more and more understanding of him and who he is. But there's times that we get these amazing encounters with God, or somebody prophesies something phenomenal over us, and we start to get pumped up and excited about it. Or you get saved for the first time, and you get excited for the first time, and the second and the third time, right? When you first get saved, you get really excited and passionate about God, right? But see, sometimes when we see just our circumstances around us, we start to lose hope of that promise. When it's not happening, when things aren't going phenomenal in our life, when our seasons change, which they do, they always tend to change and come and go. Right? We start to wonder where God is, and we start to be less effective in the kingdom. Because we're only looking at the circumstances around us, we start to get discouraged. Anybody ever felt this way? I feel this way often. Right When I'm looking through my own eyes, I'm believing God for amazing things. Man, I'm believing God that he's going to change this city. I'm believing God that he's going to make an impact in the schools in this city. He's going to make an impact through this church. That we're going to see thousands of leaders come to this church. This has been prophesied over us for years, and we keep believing it. And we haven't lost hope of that. We still believe that. But see, if I only look at my circumstances around, and I'm only counting the people that are here, and I'm only looking at what's right in front of me, it's easy to get my hope deferred, right? It's easy for me to lose that vision, to lose that calling on my life, or to see myself as less effective, right? Or to see myself as incapable when you start to compare yourself to others, to people around you, you start to seem and feel insignificant in a way. And that starts to trap us, and that starts to pull us down because we're only seeing what's right in front of us. So then we start looking at ourselves, and we start looking at what we can see, and we start making excuses and finding reasons why we're not productive. And we start calling things over ourselves, right? And we start becoming more and more insecure The more that we look at our circumstances around us, the more insecure we get. The more faith we start to lose. The more hope we start to lose. Because we're only seeing what we can see naturally or what others are seeing around us. Right? So we start to get discouraged about who we are as a Christian. Right? We start to get discouraged in our calling over our life. Right? Somebody prophesied that you were going to be a pastor or an evangelist or an apostle, and you're not seeing the fruit of that. And you start to get discouraged and start to wonder if that person was lying to you, or if they just made that up to make you feel good, or if you're just being ineffective, right? Or if you lost your salvation. right? And you keep wondering these things and asking these questions let me justin get that. We start asking ourselves these questions. And start making ourselves think that we're incapable. Right? And we start losing our effectiveness because we're only looking at circumstances. We can't see what God is doing or we can't see the impact that He's making through us. And we start to get discouraged. Our hope is deferred because we're only looking what's right in front of us, we're only looking through our own reality. And see, God wants each one of us to look through his reality. He wants us to step outside of what we can see and look into what he can see over us. See, God has a plan and a vision for each one of us, and it's a God-sized plan and vision. It's not man-sized, right? It's not one that you can make up and understand. It goes beyond your own understanding, so that's hard for us to comprehend. So when we get caught up on what's right in front of us, And we get caught up in what we're not doing and what's not happening and the people that aren't getting saved. And we've been praying for our friend for five years and he's still not saved. Or you're praying for your family and you're you're preaching to your family every night and they still hate you. Just kidding. Still hate the Lord. Right? You've been believing for your school to be changed. And then you start looking around and you think, well, there's 4,000 kids in my school. There's only me. I only have six friends. Only five of them are saved. How am I going to make an impact in my whole school? So we start to get discouraged. Start to lose faith because you can only see the circumstances around you. You can only see what's right there. See, God doesn't want you to get caught up in what's right in front of you. God doesn't want you to get caught up in what you cannot do and what you don't have, but what he has given you and what he has called you to be. When that was spoken over your life, whatever that was, when that word or that calling has been prophesied or spoken into you, hold strong to that. Believe in that. See, those are God's promises over us. God wants us to know that he has a destiny that's bigger than you could plan for yourself. So when you look in your own eyes, you can't imagine it, so you give up. But when you look up and you look into his eyes, that's when we start being effective in the kingdom. That's when we start making a difference, making an impact in our city. It's not when we try and do it on our own. It's not when you try and convince yourself that you're cool. Right? That you're popular enough. That you're good enough. But then when you fix your eyes up on Jesus and allow Him to be strong in you. And that's what He's calling Abram to do. He's saying, Abram, I want you to get outside of your own mindset. I want you to get outside of your own understanding. Walk outside of the tent and look up. Look up. Tyler, my message is get out of the tent and look up. Simple. Get out of the tent. And look up. Get out of your own mind and your own convincing and your own circumstances that you can see. And look up to what God has called you to be because it's powerful. It's amazing. And it's not something you can plan on your own. It's something that he ordained long before you were around. Get out of the tent and look up. So he tells him, go outside. Look up. And count the stars. One, two, three, four. Right, he's up there maybe trying to count. Maybe he gets to a couple thousand, sixteen thousand, twenty-seven thousand. Finally gives up. Okay, it's impossible. I can't do it. Are you serious? You want me to count the stars? There's trillions. Probably don't even know the tri- number trillion yet. There's so many stars. I can't even count them. What are you trying to do to me? I love how God says it. He says, look up and count the stars if you can. If you can. Tries to count them and he can't. You cannot count the blessings that God has for you. You cannot count or imagine the destiny and the dream God has for you. It goes beyond your understanding and that's What he wanted Abraham to understand was that on your own, you cannot do it. You can't understand it. You cannot count it. That's what I want your descendants to be. But guess what? I can. I can count them. I can tell you exactly how many descendants there are. I can tell you exactly when they'll be born, exactly what their names are. Every single one of them, right? Psalm 147, We read this earlier. He counts the stars and calls them all by name. God knows the plan that he has for you. He knew the plan that he had for Abram. And it didn't matter if Abram believed it in that moment. It didn't matter if Abram was perfect. Abram wasn't perfect. After that, what happens? He has sex with the slave girl so that he can make his own son. (laughs) What are you, stupid? And his wife was on board. Yeah, do that. That's a terrible idea. None of you do that. But see, the purpose of that was he was trying to make that promise happen himself. He was trying to make it work. Okay, well, I believe the promise that you said now. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. Hagar, come here. Right? Sarah's barren. It's not going to work out for her. Let's do this. And then they did, and then out comes Ishmael. But guess what? He wasn't the promise. He still wasn't the promise. But did God take the promise away from him? No. Did God take the destiny and the calling over his life away from him? Did he change it? No. See, it doesn't matter when we fall and when we fail. What matters is that we continue to look up that after we fail, which we will, we're not perfect, but that we would live a life of getting back up and looking up at him, that we would live a life that is full of what he has for us, right? That we would learn and dig out of who we are in him and keep pursuing that daily. So we'd be more and more like him and keep pursuing those dreams that he has for us. God wants us to live a life that is full Not a life that is empty, not a life that is full of you trying to make it better and trying to better yourself. See, God had a destiny for Abram before he did anything right. But what he took was a willing heart. Abram was willing. He didn't always do it right, but he was willing. And he kept going forward and he kept listening to God. And it says once he looks up at the stars, it says he believed. And that word believed meant like a firm believing. From here on out, I believe. He still messed up. He still made mistakes. But he believed that God had a plan for him. So he kept on pursuing it. He kept pursuing God. He kept looking up. Even in his mistakes, his shortcomings, his failures. He kept looking up to God. No matter what was going on around him, he kept looking up. Let's turn to to 2 Corinthians 4 16. You can turn if you want to. You don't have to. 2 Corinthians 4 16 through 18. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Right? We're becoming weaker and weaker, but our spirit is becoming stronger and stronger. For our present troubles are small and won't last long. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we concede now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. See, when he told Abram to look up and count the stars, he knew we couldn't do it. And what he was saying is, I know you can't do this on your own. I know that you can't imagine that at the age of 90, you're going to have babies. But I promise you, you will. Keep looking at me when it seems the most impossible, when it seems like your circumstances around you are changing your effectiveness, right? You're starting to go through a new season. You got a new job and you're busy all the time. You're married. You have kids. You're busy all the time. You're not sleeping a lot. I still sleep really good, actually. But that's just something that they tell you. She'll never sleep again. That's a lie. Mariah sleeps too. I'm not saying she doesn't sleep. But right, we, we look at our circumstances around us and we think, well, I can't be effective. I'm too busy. I've got too much going on. I'm, I'm not in the same season. I don't. Know the same people. These people don't still like me. Everybody's turned away from me. Right? I don't have any influence. I don't have an impact in somebody's life. I'm not very good. I'm not very popular. I'm not good looking enough. I'm not cool enough. I don't have skills. Like numchuck skills. Right? I'm not as good as this person. Yeah, they told me I was going to be a pastor, but... I don't really like people that much. I'm not really good at it, right? We just look at what's around us rather than what God can do through us. And God can do stuff that you have no idea and cannot imagine that you can't do on your own. And that's what he's trying to show to Abram. Just wait, Abram. When, you're, when it's completely impossible, I'm going to show you it's possible. Abram turns 100 and he has his child. A hundred years old. Anybody know anybody a hundred years old? Yeah? You just raising your hand? Your grandma is? Can't she make babies? It's <laughs> a dumb question. <laughs> Could you imagine at a hundred years old you're having your first son? You're tired. You're barely moving. I know they were older back then, but they're still old. And everything seems impossible. All the things that worked when you were younger don't seem to be working anymore, right? But yet, God says, yeah, in your eyes it's impossible. But through me it's possible. Everything is possible. Everything can happen when you are willing to look up at me. And that's when he starts preparing that whole destiny, and he gives him Isaac. God doesn't need a perfect person. Any of you perfect? Nice. (laughs) No, that's not true. (laughs) Right? We're not perfect. God never used a person that was perfect. He used the people that were willing. Abram was not perfect. He was willing. Abram was serving the Lord and still made big mistakes. But he was willing. David was the least of his brothers, the smallest, the grunt, the one his dad had forgotten about. When Samuel says, do you have any more sons? He goes, oh, yeah, the shepherd boy out back, David. Yeah, but you wouldn't want him. You want one of these big, burly guys. And God chose David because he was willing. Not because he was the biggest. He was the smallest. He chose him because he was willing. Chose Gideon, who was the least of his kind, his people, his tribe, right? And his tribe was the least of all the tribes. And he says, God, how could you pick me? And he uses him anyways because he was willing. God uses a willing heart to make us amazing to do the impossible, but you have to be willing to be used. You have to want to be used by him. Again, this is not about your salvation, whether or not you're going to get saved if you do enough, right? You're saved the moment you put your faith into Jesus Christ and call him your Lord and Savior, right? That's when you're saved. Not when you do all these excellent things and fulfill your destiny, then you're saved. But man, I don't want to just scoot by in heaven and barely make it. I want to fulfill what God has for me, and I want the same thing for you. But we have to dream big. We have to believe big because God has a big dream for you. He doesn't dream small. He doesn't pick the little people and say, well, I've got a small dream for you. Right? He's got a big dream for you, but you've got to start to walk in it and believe it. I want to talk about a man. I think it's fitting. We celebrated him on Monday. Most, most of you guys didn't work or go to school because of it. So you can thank him. His name is Martin Luther King Jr. it wasn't his birthday. That's impressive that you know that. Awesome. I thought you were going to say he was related to my sister or something. He's my sister's big brother's cousin's uncle. Martin Luther King, we know about him. We know a little bit about him, right? We read about him in our history books. We have to learn about certain events in life, and that's one of the things we learn about. But Martin Luther King, was Jr., was an awesome man of God. He was a preacher, a Baptist minister, right? Loved the Lord, loved God. He had a God-sized dream. He even has a speech about it. probably heard about it. I have a dream. Right, he had this awesome, amazing dream that could not have just been his own. Right, he believed that there'd be equality between all races, right, that every man would be treated equal, right, and he fought for that, he believed in that, he didn't only just believe in it, he fought for it, he walked in it, he didn't fight like you would think and brought a whole army of people just to beat up the white people. He didn't do that. He did the opposite of that. He walked in peace and love, and he cared for people, and he believed something that seemed impossible. See, if Martin Luther King Jr., and I don't want to keep saying that whole name because it's so long, but if Martin, no disrespect, had only looked at his circumstances around him, he would have given up long before. See, this guy went through some stuff. He was constantly being segregated, constantly being persecuted, constantly being spit on, called the N-word, called all kinds of names, looked down upon by everybody around him. All kinds of people would put him down. But he believed in this dream that God had given him, and he kept walking in it. He kept having faith that God would do something phenomenal through him. He probably didn't know what it was. He probably did not think he was going to have a holiday named after him later. Probably didn't see that. He didn't care. But he knew he had this dream and he wanted to see it fulfilled, so he walked in it. And if he would have just looked around what was happening around him, he would have never completed it. But he kept his eyes up. He kept looking up and kept walking in it. He was assaulted like four times. He was stabbed in the chest. His house was bombed. Right, They, they had death threats for him and for his family constantly. And then he was assassinated. Right? But he kept standing firm in what he believed this dream to be. He kept walking out no matter what was going on around him. Man, he led so many people behind him in this, this peace march. Led thousands of people, probably led thousands of people to the Lord in this. Because he was faithful to walk out that dream. He was faithful to keep going after it. And, man, look at where we're at now. Most of you don't experience any of that and see any of that. I've never seen it like Martin Luther King Jr. saw it. Never see racism like that. People talking disrespectful, yeah, for sure. But not racism like that. That's because this man and many others took a stand and had this big dream that they believed in that was beyond their own dreams, beyond their own understanding. They couldn't see that happening because it wasn't happening in their own eyes in front of them. Yet they kept on going. And Abram was the same way. He had this big dream that God had given him. And he got discouraged at times, yes. But he kept being faithful. And he kept being willing. And he kept looking up at God and saying, God, I want you to be great through me. God, I want you to give me the peace That surpasses understanding. God, I want you to be strong and courageous in me and through me. And that's why he was recorded as righteous. Not because he did all the right things, but because of his faith. Because he believed God for this awesome dream. See, I believe God has God-sized dreams for each one of us, each one of you that he wants you to look and to dream bigger than you can imagine on your own and start believing that God can do something phenomenal in you and through you. I want to see this city changed. I don't know about you. I don't want to just come to GM every Thursday because it's cool and we can high-five each other and say, yeah, we hung out this week. Right? I don't want to just gather together just to say, hi, I'm sorry. I don't. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. I want us to come together as a family, united together, ready to go out and to make a difference in our schools, a difference at work, a difference in your family. Right, but, that, but that means you fixing your eyes not on what you can see, but what you can't see. That you put your faith and your hope in Jesus, and you keep walking out of the tent and looking up. Walking out of your circumstances, what you see around you, right, what you're starting to believe about yourself, but you start looking at what God believes about you, how he sees you, and start believing that. That's when we're going to start making an impact. Man, I believe we're going to pack this place out. Not because it's cool to have a lot of people, but because that means we're making an impact in people's lives and we're leading them to Jesus. I want to see that happen. But that takes us being willing. Being willing to go out, being willing to look beyond what you can understand and being willing to be faithful with everything he's given you. Amen. Cecilia, will you come up? I want us to respond to this in some way. I don't want you to respond to me, but I want us to respond to him. See, we've got to to grasp this God-sized dream that's for each one of us. And if we don't grasp it, we're just going to scoot along in life and barely hang on and barely make it and barely make make an impact. And I want to leave a huge dent in this city in a good way. I don't want to blow it up. But I want to see people's lives change. And I don't want to settle with being mediocre. I don't want to settle with just doing enough, right? Because I know God doesn't have that plan for me. He didn't plan for you to just have enough. Right? He's given us more than enough, more than we need to live a life that's full, but we have to grasp it. Will you stand with me? I think many of us Go through seasons and maybe going through a season right now of just looking at what's around us and looking at what's going on. And we're making excuses for ourselves and just maybe complaining over ourselves and saying, well, we're not good enough. We're not making a difference. We're not making an impact. Right? We're not good enough. We're not skilled enough. We're not seeing that calling that we once felt. We don't have the same passion we once did. It's kind of run dry because everything I see around me isn't changing. So it's hard to believe that something will. But see, God didn't give Isaac to Abraham until 25 years after he first called him. 25 years. I want to talk about patiently waiting. Waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. Man, that's a long time. But Abram didn't give up. He kept waiting. He kept believing it. Yeah, he made mistakes, but then he kept looking up. God has a vision and a dream and a calling over you. And I think a lot of us have lost sight of it. And God wants to remind you tonight. Or maybe you've never had a dream or a vision or a calling over your life. And God wants to show you one tonight. But you have to be willing to step out. You have to be willing to ask for it. You have to be willing to take a step of faith and actually make a difference. It's hard to take a step of faith. It's easy to follow people. It's hard to step out on your own to make a difference. What if you're the only one in your school that's saved? Well, do something about it. You can make an impact. You don't have to have a specific calling to lead people to Jesus. We are all as believers called to make disciples. We're all as believers to grow, called to grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're all called to be a part of a family and to serve as a family and be united as a family to make a difference. Yeah, you have different gifts and abilities. But you're all called to be an influence and an impact in somebody's life. You're all called to lead people to Jesus and make a difference in this city. But you have to accept that calling and be willing to go out and go after it even when you don't see it being fulfilled. Keep going forward. Keep believing it. So I believe God wants to rekindle that fire, that passion in people's hearts and he wants to remind us and to show us of our calling. And he wants to speak a new calling over those who haven't received that before tonight. So I want you to believe that with me as I pray and then make some kind of stand forward. If that's you, if you've been struggling and staying in the same place and you want to be rekindled, I'm responding to this. Everybody should be responding in some way, but I'm not gonna make you. This is up to you. Whatever that looks like, I'm not gonna tell you what to do. You can come forward, you can go out of the aisle, you can go in the back, you can lay on the ground, you can lay on the chairs, I don't care wants you to respond in some way to this. That's you. So Father God, we lift up your name. God, we're thankful that you have called us and you have chosen us. God, we're thankful that you've given us a destiny and a dream that is way bigger than we understand and can comprehend. God, we thank you that you haven't given up on that dream on us that is still there waiting for us. God, thank you that you want to rekindle passion in our hearts, vision in our minds and speak your love and your life over us. God, help us to respond in our hearts to you, God, to be more like you, to to rekindle that passion. And God, I'm praying that you would speak a calling over those who have not heard your voice before. God, they would hear it tonight clearly. You would change their mind and their perspective. in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to worship a little bit, and I encourage you, respond however you want to. Whatever that looks like, respond to him. That's between you and him. It's not between me and you. It's between you and him. Let's respond.